Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hello, this is William Zelmer with AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with the lead author of a paper on developing an antimicrobial stewardship program across a rural health system. With me is Dr. Brad Lively, who is with the College of Pharmacy, South Dakota State University, and also Avera McKinnon Hospital and University Health Center. Brad, I'd like to begin by asking you to give us a brief overview of the Avera Health System. Sure. So, Avera Health System is a, a regional healthcare network, uh, mostly based in eastern South Dakota, uh, but it does have 33 hospitals and over 200 clinics in five states. The, our overall general footprint uh, encompasses a population of about 1 million people. This health network was started in the year 2000 um, as a co-sponsorship with the Benedictine and Presentation Sisters in South Dakota here, and so it's a, it's a Catholic healthcare network. We have over 16,000 employees with our network. It's the, the largest private employer in South Dakota, and we've really grown a lot in the last few years. In terms of our hospitals and the breakdown there, of those 33 hospitals, 26 of them are critical access hospitals with uh, bed numbers or acute care beds less than 25. Um, mm -hmm. The other seven are regional hospitals that range in size from about 50 to 400 beds. Oh, yeah. Can you give us a sense, uh, Brad, of the medical staff in the system and also the pharmacy staff? Right. So we do have um, about 60 different medical specialties uh, within the Avera network. Um, within that, we've got infectious disease. We've got a lot of telemedicine type services within that. Um, Avera being in a, a very rural area. In fact, some joke that there's more cows than people uh, in the area in which we live that we've had to take advantage of a lot of tele telemedicine services. So we have a lot of telemedicine in terms of infectious disease. We've got telemedicine for a hospitalist service. We've got telemedicine for long-term care emergency room, and various other specialties. It's a very competitive healthcare marketplace here. Um, our yeah. pharmacy staff are really wide range in terms of how many pharmacists serve each one of these facilities. Um, I'm based out of Avera McKinnon Hospital in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is our largest hospital. It's a 400-bed, uh, roughly, a hospital. We have 75 pharmacists that, that work um, in our hospital, many of which are in, in almost entirely clinical roles, whereas many of our critical access hospitals, those pharmacists may have a very small amount of their time dedicated to work in the hospital and, and have primarily a dispensing role in, in not only the, the inpatient but perhaps the outpatient setting as well. Well, very good. That gives us a nice sense of the overall system. Uh, Brad, you say in the article that the system-wide antimicrobial stewardship program, which began informally in 2012, grew out of programs at two Avera hospitals. What were the major precipitating factors for the program in its early days? Right around, around 2012, we had recognized two main problems that each one of these hospitals within the health system had. One of them encountered a pretty significant issue with carbapenem-resistant re enterobacteriaceae. 
And so our CRE problem uh, really sparked a lot of antimicrobial stewardship discussion at that one particular facility. Um, at the other facility, uh, we had noticed pretty dramatic rates of resistance to E. coli and Pseudomonas aeruginosa uh, to our fluoroquinolones and some of our other agents. But the, the fluoroquinolone aspect really got our attention. And when we started to inquire around with some of the other hospitals within the system, they were seeing some of the same issues. So between our CRE and our E. coli and Pseudomonas resistance to quinolone issue, uh, it was felt it was time to start collaborating on some, some system projects from a stewardship standpoint that would be beneficial for all of us. Okay. Well, and then you report in the article that, uh, in fact, in August 2015, Avira started a more formal program encompassing the entire system. And one of the activities at that time was establishment of system-wide standards for antimicrobial use. Uh, why was that important, and what specific areas did you address? Well, when we started to put together our stewardship program, um, we realized that we needed to all get on the pa same page that we could, so that all of us would be ready for the coming mandates that we saw for Joint Commission, um, possibly uh, CMS. Um, we had just recently, or just around that time, the CDC's core elements became publicly available for uh, acute care hospitals. And we thought if we could standardize um, a, a lot of our processes, we'd be in good position to make sure that we're in, in compliance with all of those requirements. And so we did a lot of work related to standardizing things like simple things like IV to PO policies throughout the system, um, renal dosing policies, because we found that at different hospitals, they were taking different approaches. And it was actually frustrating some of our um, physicians that said, well, when I'm doing a telemedicine consult at this one place, they would adjust one way and at another place, they do it a different way. Um, so trying to standardize all of those processes. I guess the other thing, too, that we did um, would be that we standardized a lot of our order sets for important infectious diseases so, or common infectious diseases that each one of our facilities had made little tweaks in the, their order sets. And, and some of them we didn't necessarily feel should have been adjusted at the way that they were. So we tried to standardize so that, again, we we're all playing with the same plan there from a stewardship sure. standpoint. Okay. Well, um, give us a brief overview of uh, how the program is structured today and how it operates. Well, as I mentioned, we really tried to put together this system program so that we're all one of our um, using the same processes. In, in particular, we, we really kept in mind making sure that um, all of our Joint Commission accredited hospitals would be in line with those requirements, um, that we would be in line with what we were anticipating for CMS requirements, which we're still waiting on, but also uh, the CDC core elements. And in fact, we, we mapped our program as we developed it, mapped that program to the CDC uh, core elements for hospital stewardship. And so we, made, we set it up as our Assistant Vice President for Hospital Pharmacy is the administrative head. He has a, a very important position um, globally for Avera Health and really was able to speak to our needs and, and the resources that we needed. Um, I was appointed as the lead pharmacist for our Avera Health program and that I was already the, the lead stewardship pharmacist at Avera McKinnon. It was kind of a natural for me to step up and, and take over that role. The head of our local uh, Avera McKinnon Antimicrobial Stewardship Program, uh, our physician leader, Dr. Jawad Nazir, um, also stepped up to become a medical director for antimicrobial stewardship for our system. 
we moved on from there to making sure that we, uh, again, those policies and procedures that, uh, that we adjusted, IV to PO, renal dosing, uh, many of our uh, disease state-specific pathways. So we've built a very strong foundation, we feel, in terms of not only those uh, pieces, but also antimicrobial use tracking, reporting, um, resistance tracking or reporting, and so forth, so that we can meet all of the uh, CDC core elements. Now we've kind of gone into this mode of we're trying to f find how can we continue to be innovative with our project. Um, that was where uh, antimicro the, the daily call, which I think we'll talk about later here, that came into play as an innovative method to provide resources to some of these pharmacists in the smaller facilities that may not necessarily have much in terms of uh, ID expertise or, or comfort uh, with making antimicrobial stewardship recommendations. Um, we've been starting to look at how can we more standardize our antimicrobial stewardship practices in the long-term care. Um, we just, I just had a, a recently was at a, a fairly high-level meeting related to that, trying to create what our vision will be for antimicrobial stewardship at the long-term care level. And then in terms of clinics, we've already done some work there and we continue to work on, because I think we've just scratched the surface in the clinic arena, but trying to put together outpatient uh, disease state-specific treatment pathways. We've already done several like skin and soft tissue infections, urinary tract infections, sinusitis, but we've got others that are kind of on the list that we just need to get to and, and, and get that uh, information distributed out to our, our clinics. Well, uh, Brad, you, you mentioned that you're the lead pharmacist uh, for this program. Uh, give us a sense of uh, the specific nature of your work and, you know, include, for example, how much time do you spend in fulfilling this responsibility? Um, I think we'd uh, appreciate hearing more about that. Sure, sure. Well, I think it's important to note, too, that I should I am uh, a split position person at Avera Health and Avera McKinnon in that I also serve as a professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice at South Dakota State University College of Pharmacy. And actually, 50% of my FTE goes towards my activities in teaching in the classroom and taking rotational students at Avera McKinnon um, working with me on our antimicrobial stewardship program. So really, half of my time is supposed to be um, directed towards that. Of right. the 50% that's dedicated towards Avera Health and Avera McKinnon Hospital, I think I could probably say that I estimate about 35-40% of my time is spent in the role of being the lead pharmacist in the program, doing things like analyzing antimicrobial usage patterns, um, resistance patterns, at not only Avera McKinnon, but um, at many of the other facilities that are participating in the program. I do a lot of work with um, organizing the development uh, or even revision of current protocols, development of new protocols related to uh, antimicrobial use. It ends up being a lot of work in my office, honestly. It's a lot of creating situations where I can now give that information to our decentralized pharmacists and other pharmacists throughout the system and saying, here's, here's our goals, here's how we, how we would like you to approach these stewardship um, pieces. And uh, we really rely, I really rely heavily um, on being able to be the person that works on a lot of these background things and then our pharmacists that are on the floors that are at the patient bedside delivering on that. And they do a great right. job of it. Well, Brad, you mentioned uh, this daily call uh, part of the program. Let's talk about details about that aspect of uh, the program. Is the call scheduled, for example, uh, for the same time every day, Monday through Friday? It is. It is. So what we've used is a, a web-based conference call technology where 
we use WebEx. Um, I know that there are others that could, I think, could probably still fit the same bill. But we have this conference call every day, Monday through Friday at 11.15 a.m. Pharmacists throughout the system uh, will call in uh, at 11.15. Sometimes they call in just because they want to learn from the cases that are being presented. But the main goal of it is to have them call in to present cases, to get them reviewed by the antimicrobial stewardship team, and potentially make recommendations that can improve care at that local site. But it's really a resource to those pharmacists that are working in their stewardship role at their site. So from the perspective of those pharmacists who are initiating uh, discussion of these cases, typically what triggers their request for a daily call consultation? Sure. So we have uh, provided uh, a a tip sheet um, to our pharmacists at those sites as to what are some of the high priority issues that we would suggest that you uh, evaluate for and when you identify them, bring to the patient. And then we've got some that are still high, but not the highest type priority uh, type issues. So the real high priority issues might be anybody that's receiving an uh, anti-pseudomonal carbapenem like meropenem without an ID consult. Those are ones that we like to see. Anybody that's in the system um, that is receiving that therapy, we'd like to have it reviewed because we don't have drugs uh, ID restricted um, at most of our sites. So once they're on formulary, they're, they're fair game for anyone to use. So we try to control some of that utilization through the antimicrobial stewardship program using the daily call. Other things that we might say are maybe not the highest priority, but also be ones for them to consider would be anybody that's on a broad spectrum uh, anti-pseudomonal beta-lactam other than that penem like a piperacillin tazobactam or cefepime for more than 48 hours and there's been no discussion of de-escalation, no evaluation for that. We like to bring those to the case so that we can help that pharmacist come up with a strong recommendation to go back to their local provider um, as to... Uh, what be a a reasonable course of action. I think it is important to note that this is really all voluntary in in terms of we don't go back behind and make sure that those pharmacists were catching these things. And so a lot of it is, you know, continually to remind pharmacists, all right, if you've got somebody on Meropenem, please bring those to the call. But the voluntary nature actually, I think, has worked out fairly well for us. Our pharmacists at those sites bring a fair number of really interesting cases that go above and beyond what we uh, had suggested to them on the tip sheet. And in fact, in many days, it comes down to a, this just doesn't look right to me. And I was hoping that the team could look at this and, and help me come up with a recommendation. Sure. Can you say anything more, Brad, about how extensively this daily call service is used? You know, I'm thinking of uh, all of the smaller institutions and is it used uh, pretty uniformly among all of them or is there some differentiation there? I think that there definitely is some differentiation there, and, and some might argue that m- maybe this service is a little bit underutilized. We continue to try to find ways to to promote the use of this service, but I, if you went and you looked at our larger hospitals, those seven uh, regional hospitals that we have with, that range in, in size from the 50 to 400 beds of acute care beds, they use it fairly routinely. And in, in fact, uh, we have pretty good attendance by those facilities. The goal is that they, they come to about 80% of the calls or, or more. And as they're, they're attending these calls, their natural tendency is to want to participate and, and bring patients um, to the call. But for the other, um, the, the non-regional facilities, we've had a little bit more difficulty um, getting them to continue consistently participate, uh, to, to bring patients forward. And part of that is that they have a lot of th- a lot of different things that they're working on. As I mentioned, a lot of those 
smaller hospitals, those critical access hospitals are ones that are 25 beds or less. And, and those pharmacists might be filling prescriptions in their, their the outpatient setting for most of the day and only have an hour or so of inpatient work that they do per day. And so they don't um, have really the time to be participating in this so much. And so it's an area that we're continually trying to investigate and see how we might be able to improve that aspect of the call. Right. I understand. Brad, uh, in, in very broad terms, what have been the most important outcomes of this program from your perspective? I would say that collaboration um, amongst our pharmacists within the system has been one of the most rewarding things. If, if I could speak about just the, 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 the rewards that we found with participating in this, I, I have gotten to know um, so many pharmacists very well throughout our system now just due to that daily interaction um, that we have on that ASP call. We work really well together, I think, now in terms of developing our policies and procedures. So on the global level, we've, we've really created quite a strong team that gets a lot of work done. And then at the patient level, I think we've done a, a, a better job now since we've had this call of helping with transitions of care between some of our smaller facilities to our larger facilities. Um, those physicians will give me a call and say, hey, I've got a heads up that we had this particular patient with this issue here at our facility. They're coming to you. Here's the concerns that I had about that one. You may want to look at this person right away in the morning. You know, that it, there's been a lot of a, a really nice teamwork um, that I think has has improved patient care um, as a result of this program. Sure. Are there uh, specific patient outcome metrics that you follow, and is there anything you can say about the results in those terms? Metrics has been something that we've struggled a little bit in terms of patient outcomes. It's been a, a bit of a challenge for us to track how our stewardship program has specifically impacted things like length of stay or mortality, but I think we've been successful since our stewardship program has uh, become more formalized. We've been successful in being able to demonstrate that we've been able to help direct appropriate reductions in prescribing that have led to improvements in susceptibility amongst key pathogens like uh, E. coli and, and Pseudomonas aeruginosa. Um, we're seeing a, a better control of some of our targeted antimicrobials like our antipsychotic carbapenems, vancomycin, and, and other broad-spectrum drugs. Uh, so those would be the markers that we seem to have, have been able to track the most successfully, and, and our administrators have been pretty pleased with the results. Mm -hmm. Well, I imagine it's uh, likely that there are other health systems that have small hospitals in remote areas that could be considering a system-wide antimicrobial stewardship program comparable to yours. Uh, what advice do you have for them? Well, I think that starting an antimicrobial stewardship program, particularly at the system level, can be really daunting. You, you think about all the different things that we did. Um, I, I rattled them off rather quickly, but those, but those took a while uh, to get many of those things. I know when I worked on the, the renal dosing policy, that took uh, several months to, to use several different resources and come up with recommendations that um, our physician staff, including our ID physicians, would be comfortable with. Um, but but start kind of small. Start with uh, some very the, the the very simple things that you might surprisingly find that not every hospital or within your system has. It's those IV to PO, renal dosing type approaches. Um, working on those disease state specific pathways, and I'd start relatively small with going with really common diseases like urinary tract infection, pneumonia getting those out in front of your providers, getting feedback on those, getting their buy-in on just a small number, and then incrementally grow it. I know that 
Uh, for us in particular, we felt like tackling one particular resistance problem, showing the physicians at our, at our hospitals the data, uh, basically showing them the problem, showing them why we think it's a problem, telling them how we would like to deal with the problem, and then, at, and then telling them or asking them <laughs> um, for their help, um, being teammates with us. Um, in helping to correct that problem. And I think that's really the, the success that we had with our fluoroquinolone project that we started several years ago uh, when we identified our E. coli and pseudomonas resistance. We went to our providers, we showed them that data, uh, not only the resistance data, but our antimicrobial utilization data. And we said, here's what we want to do about it. Will you help us? Well, Brad, I believe uh, this AJHP paper is a very important contribution to the literature. It's certainly a, a major issue in some of the smaller institutions in our country, uh, appropriate use of antimicrobials, and I think your paper will be very helpful to many, many folks uh, in giving them uh, some ideas about how to address uh, this issue in, in health systems. So, Brad, thank you very much for having this conversation with me. Thank you very much. We appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. I've been speaking with Dr. Brad Lively, the lead author of a paper on developing an antimicrobial stewardship program across a rural health system. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.